0: Eric Dillman here, and welcome back to episode 33 of the Pro Series Podcast. Today's guest is shooting from Budroom, Queensland, Australia. His name is Adrian Ramsey. He's a national award-winning home designer, specializes in custom homes, custom reno's. We talk about that. We talk about his love of design, how he got into the business, his love of travel, and we also talk about his podcast called Talk Design, which I was honored to be on last week. I had a full episode, definitely go out and check out wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me know what you think. While you're there, make sure you subscribe, rate, interview the Pro Series podcast. And now, I hope you enjoy episode 33 with Adrian Ramsey. Thank you so much, Adrian, for hopping on to an uh, episode of the Pro Series. I'm excited to talk with you about your expertise in design. Eric, it's an absolute honor, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Really yeah. cool. Yeah, awesome. And and I'm excited too, because you're not in the United States. I love talking to people that are outside of my country, just because it gives a whole different perspective on the same field we're in, just works completely different. Um, Where are you um, shooting from in Australia? Okay, so I'm on the Sunshine Coast, a little town called Budrum. Um, or
1: people will see it on the map. They'd go, oh, how do you say that? But it's Budrum. And um, it was very famous for ginger many, many, many years ago. Um, Budrum ginger is probably one of the biggest exports it's had. About seven minutes from my house to the coast. Oh, and um, so we've got beautiful beaches and stuff and weather a lot like Florida.
0: So I'm A jealous. lot like Florida. Very, very jealous. Yeah, it's still very <laughs> cold here. Um, Yeah, you're in pa that's an awesome place i love pennsylvania oh really where have you been in pa
1: oh i've been all around like uh, many years ago um i went and uh spent six months essentially based myself in dallas and uh, because i had some family who were staying in dallas so i spent six months and um drove all up through the East coast, all up around that side. Uh, back in the day, they used to have this cool thing called a drive away, which was you could get a car that needed to be re-delivered. And so, um, out of all the cars in the world that you could get, I got a Honda Accord (laughs) and my girlfriend and I, um, ended up driving up from Dallas and then doing just tons, just tons up on the top of the East coast. And, uh, we did that and we did Florida, I think was the two that we did, but they were separate trips. We got a Chevy um, Silverado to do Florida. In. But yeah. yeah, so I've, and I've road tripped an awful lot in the States uh, over the years. It's like a big haunt of mine, America.
0: You probably seen more of the United States than I have. <laughs>
1: I've, I've certainly seen a lot, but I don't know whether that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I've seen more I- of
1: it than I have of Australia.
0: Yeah. I uh, still so- in Australia, this is kind of a question I had written down: Is home design is popular? I mean, in the US, HGTV, um, the TV network, is a huge thing. Um, is that a very popular thing in Australia?
1: It is, um, you know, probably equally as popular. But with a population of about 24 million, there's maybe less shows made. We're coming up on a show. Um, for a home that we designed we've designed the whole house um you know from the ground up um we're coming up on one of those uh, i think it's late this year called australia's best home so you've kind of got a mix of the kind of um you know chip and joanna gain style ones where it's flipping mm-hmm. stuff and all that through to uh you know like architectural shows and uh grand designs i don't know that you have a grand designs in america but it's a very popular english show okay we have a grand a grand designs here which is an australian one um so yeah there's a lot around it and certainly like the u.s now the market's um
0: yeah the market's going it, it's hopping it's uh there's a lot going on yeah i mean there's a there's one show on amazon prime that is i think it's in sydney what's that one is it a uh, luxury oh. like luxury homes or something like yeah.
1: that luxury yeah that um i had some clients whose house was on that uh up in uh noosa which um if you look on a map noosa is about an hour north of brisbane hour and a half and it's kind of the reason the sunshine coast exists um, oh, okay it's a it's a beachside town uh and it's probably the best known and if you were going south from here the best known beachside town would be um Byron Bay anyway yeah I had clients who um I'm pretty sure their home was on that uh they were they were searching for a house and they were expats who came home and so yeah luxury luxury
0: uh luxury listings Sydney
1: yeah okay so theirs might be luxury listings Australia or something like that Oh, okay. Yeah, might, there might have been something else like that. I can't remember something along those lines. Um, that was that was a uh, shot before we um, destroyed it and uh, reconfigured it. We're doing that now.
0: <laughs> so how how long have you been in the design business? Uh, the design business in total since I
1: was born. Pretty much. I'm dyslexic, oh. so I don't do much else. Uh, my dad's an artist and um he's 93 now but he's a fine artist and um about the only thing that uh i've ever been any good at was um analytics and design and so with that i sort of i would have been in the design business for 30 plus years i worked in the in the clothes design business um globally and internationally for um a, you know, quite a while that was my real sort of first foray into design and then I um I'd always wanted to be uh in the architectural side of the business okay and I kicked off um interiors and then uh with that then I you know employed different types of people and stuff and ended up in the architectural side of the business as well so we're building designers is officially what we're called um but with that we design houses uh, we, we stick to residential we stick to residential custom and then we do probably about 10 percent of our clients we probably take them through for full interiors but okay. otherwise we we don't do as much in the interior so we don't take a client for the interiors unless we've done the Actual in remodeling design, or the uh, started the house from the ground up.
0: Gotcha. Do you miss doing the interiors, or I love miss?
1: doing the interiors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I love them both. But the uh, the heart and soul of interiors, I think, uh, connects to the person. You know, you could take any any box, and um, if you can work out the person or the people, then you can make that box their own. And you can turn it from a box to a house or, as I say, from a house to a home. Um, it becomes a home when you actually put people in it. Otherwise, it's a house.
2: Yeah.
1: And getting the nuances and discovering the people's, the journey. And I love that part. And, and then, you know, somebody has some hokey, you know, bright red couch or something like that. And they go, well, we're always keeping this. And you go, oh, really? why would you do that to me and then you've got to work really hard to 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 find out how you're going to keep it in the environment as well that's in the decor and then in the interior design fixing the flow of things is so much fun making it oh, yeah. work better for people
0: do you like remodeling when you're doing interior do you like to remodel more or do the new construction side because you're like basically starting from a blank slate in the new construction side
1: do you know it's funny eh? like I don't mind either, or like one more than the other. But okay. There's a lot of in remodeling. There's less pressure for people to start with everything new. Mm. When when it's um, you start, you know, with the with the architectural, and then build the thing. Typically, you know, the two budgets that suffer the most are the interior and the landscape. Those are the ones because they've spent so much on the construction. Yeah. And so they still want it to be done, but they're squeezing at that end. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. Um, it's just a fact of life. That's what yeah. happens. Yeah. I, I I go that that's when I like a remodel better because often in a remodel, there's maybe a bit more. Um, they've already got a fair bit of furniture and stuff like that, and then you're getting to build off what they've got as opposed to just a blank slate. There's, it seems to be a lot of pressure on people to you build a new home. Oh, cool. We'll put everything new in there. And then they're very fussy about making sure that they've got just the right piece and don't bring the wrong piece in that they had previously, or they give it all away to their kids or, you know, whatever it's like. Um, but on the new build, one of the things I love is that you get to position the art to be more heroic in a house or more intimate in the house because you choose where those walls are going to go as you join the house. And, and you know, Ontario is the same. Like we go, oh, well, it might be a remodel, but we might shift some things around that are on the exterior walls and stuff like windows so that we can get a better, yeah, a better outcome for the story of their life. I kind of think of that, all that stuff that people gather is the story of their life and when you're paring it down to what they want to really keep and what matters then you you start to weave that story that's the joy of it anyway like either way I don't mind I think it's just a very different approach and there's less likely to be less money in the uh in the new build
0: scenario exactly and I just both completely different minds that's mm. going into them I feel like I have more headaches with new construction rather than remodel just because remodel there's so many barriers that like you can't tear down this wall or it's going to cost as much but you yeah. build that you know that you want that you want you don't want that wall there you want it to be open so those costs are already coming in so when it comes to the actual kitchen um, cabinets the materials and stuff you don't have that budget you would have for a remodel
1: yeah I think I think the other thing is is that what I love about a remodel is, is the client has already, is already dissatisfied They're dissatisfied with their old kitchen or their old bathroom or their old furniture or whatever it is, they're already dissatisfied. And at that point they um, you're, you're the hero because you can fix things, you know, you can make things better. and incrementally the difference between making it better from a brand new build to a um, remodel is everything feels like an improvement in a remodel everything's a journey that way in a new build you know let's say we've even got a budget of two or three million dollars I was joking with my wife the other day I said oh look we've just signed this client and this is where the block is and stuff and She said to me, she said, Oh wow, cool, that's nice. And I said, Yeah, nice budget, you know, it's a couple of million. And she said, um, is that going to be enough? And I I said to her, Not for what they're gonna ask for. I said, they're gonna ask for five million dollars worth, and we're gonna try and fit it into two. And so and she's like, really? And I said, Well, it seems to be the trend, you know, like that's what happens So, but when it's a remodel, so they're always you're always telling them what they can't have you know, you're telling them what isn't available to them. Whereas in a remodel, you can tell them the possibilities that are available to them. And so they feel like you're improving it to them all the time, where the other feels like their dream's being pulled down all the time. Yeah. Um, So it's a different psyche. So I love a remodel for that reason, because I get to take them on a journey that I can actually, um, it's not imagined, it's real. You're in the space. Mm-hmm. and and when you take down a wall or something they go oh oh wow i can't believe we lived like this for 30 years you know or 10 years or 5 years or whatever it is that that's the joy of it whereas in a new build they stand there and the, the the slab goes down or the floor plane plane goes down and they go oh it's too small oh god this yeah. is just not big enough we're going to have to add to it and we're like no 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 wait 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 it'll grow it'll grow when we put the walls up it gets a bit bigger and they're like, no, just it's just too small. And they, there's all this anxiety. And in a remodel, there's less anxiety. I think that's the fun of a remodel.
0: Yeah. So I, I love both. Eh? I agree with you for the remodel part because, like, say, I specialize most in kitchen and bath. So you're living in your cool. kitchen for 10 or so years. You know, by using that kitchen for 10 or so years, what you like and dislike about it. And you're thinking over the years what you want to change. But in a new build, 100%. you're just kind of thinking of what have I seen on TV? What have I seen in a magazine? But you haven't actually lived that life. Yeah. And
1: you haven't you haven't lived the experience of being in the house already, how the rest of the house feels. You know, you haven't. Yeah, 100%. I think that's what makes a,
0: a remodel so fabulous. Like, oh, yeah. really, really cool. How do you walk through, like, if a designer's listening and they're doing a new construction job, and they want advice on how to walk a customer through a layout when it's a new construction, when you know something is not going to work for them, but they're hell bound on... On having other. it. Yeah. <laughs> how do you work that through the, through the client? It's never happened. No, never? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it
1: happens every time. <laughs> um, actually, it's one of the reasons I love um doing a new build is is for this thing because there's a point where they almost have to give up and have faith in and the expertise
2: yeah
1: and in, in uh in interior design they have to do that in interior decoration they can fiddle with it endlessly and ruin a great thing yeah um so so the process i use is this we always start out on um paper obviously with pencil and then as soon as we've done a first kind of like schematic you know or various different schematics and we, we kind of feel like we're heading somewhere um I belong to this group of people around the world we call ourselves land whisperers and um one of the things that we do at the start yeah is 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 we go and we we ourselves not the client but we'll go and sit on their block of land. And sometimes I'll spend from sunrise till sunset come and go all day long, or maybe stay if it's a, if it's a farm or something like that, like a, a big block of land, I'll stay on that from sunrise. I'll be there before sunrise and I'll be there till after sunsets. And I just wander the, the property looking for different spots, looking for what makes it magical, you know, is there something cool about it? Where's, yeah, every, every place, uh, suburban block's not so much, but every large block has all these different aspects. And you get to see the way the sun falls on it. You get to hear where different noises come from, all those ambient parts. And then with that, ultimately, then I start to... Uh, I was talking to a guy called Jeffrey Dungan. One time he's, he's an architect in Alabama and he said to me, "You yeah, well, the house kind of just rises out of the ground in front of you. And um, there is that thing, you know, suddenly there's something that, I don't know, feels right. Just feels really good. And then all of a sudden you start to imagine this building and, and how it forms itself. Um, and that's more the form than anything, but in that form you're going, you know like if the kitchen was over here and if the you know if, if the main bedroom was over here and do this you probably by this time I will have always um asked the client you know do, do you wake up with the sunshine or do you um sleep you know with the curtains drawn and you know, what's your habits like and then I take them back to the block And um, choose a a time of the day when it was quite pretty. So Mm -hmm. often either um, early in the morning when the shadows are long or late in the afternoon when the shadows are long so that you get that beautiful, uh, the light changes, it goes more yellow and it's, uh, it's prettier light. Um, And then I take them back and I just take them on a little journey of where I imagine their home's going to be. And stand them in certain spots and like, you know, I'll, I'll say to them, Hey, come over here, come, come stand here and observe it from here. So this would be you somewhere around here would be you at your kitchen bench making coffee, you know, cause well, I'll know they make coffee or say they drink chai tea. This would be you, you know, sipping your chai tea in the morning and just looking out over this, you know, this mm-hmm. would be we would, we'd hear all that bird song in the corner there you know this kind of thing so try and draw this romantic picture that um i've i'm developing in my head and then i'm looking for their body language to see whether that lights them up and it is a romantic picture you know it's trying to put a hollywood movie in their head
2: yeah exactly and
1: then i anchor that at that time by by discussing it with them and asking them things about it you know can you imagine that what can you hear Oh, what, what can you smell? You know, like, and just things like this. So trying to anchor it in their senses and often with a lot of joking around as well, like, you know, it'll be a couple. So I might focus on her and um, with, with focusing on her, I'll say, Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you know, to him, you're doing such and such right now. You're not even here. This is her own space. Like this isn't you, man. And I just joke around with them a lot, but in doing that, then once I've anchored some of these things that are on it, when I've got that floor plan, I then get to say with the floor plan to them, "Hey, this is where this is where we imagined.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This is where we stood and imagined." And they they settle into the emotional feel rather than being caught just in the hard feel of it. Of um, okay, oh god, oh, am I making the right decision? cause we've already anchored those emotions to the block of land. Yeah. Then we peg it out roughly on the block of land. And if we're going beyond, we'll walk through again and again, you know, do this, keep, just keep returning. If we're going through, and even on an urban block, we'll do that. We'll stand there and go, okay, so here would be about where you are. We'll take ladders and stuff to give them height and you know, crazy stuff like that. Then once we've done that, Always back through the design process, I'm re-anchoring those feelings that they had in their imagination. Um, and then if we get to like we, we're doing a, a beautiful farmhouse out um, oh, in about three hours' drive from here, and she he can actually visualize it, she can't. She can't visualize it anywhere near. She sees it a flat bit of paper and a flat bit of land. Yeah, and um, so we. Build a 3D model, and then they've got some scope with that. And if we were really, really, we've never done this yet, but we probably will soon. If we are really pushing it, we would do a virtual reality.
2: We would actually,
1: we would actually go the whole way, put the goggles on, and imagine the the surfaces. Yeah, imagine how that is. That's. I've got a got a friend Peter Tui who's not that far from where you are, and he does his whole business. That's what he does. His architectural practice he vr is huge in what he does so we've never gone quite that far um we still leave them with a lot of faith and hope
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: whereas he leaves them with no doubt
0: yeah that's i totally forgot about, that's going to be a big change in our field once that is becoming a yeah. standard and it's going to be so easy just like our software programs hook up to that um yeah. But after I asked that question, there's actually a place here where I live, forget what it's called, but they take, it's a big, it's a, the mall, it wasn't doing so well. So they, this guy rented out an old store space and got four projectors, commercial projectors on the ceiling and painted the floor white and you send him the the construction documents in like quarter inch scale or something like that yeah he shoots it to the computer and goes down to the projector so you could actually walk the floor plan the floor plan. in person yeah how cool is that yeah and he has like furniture on wheels that you could just wheel around to figure out like what a kitchen table fit here or an island fit here and all that stuff
2: really what a cool yeah. idea
0: yeah i wonder how i forget what it was called um I wonder what an if, amazing resource. Yeah. I, he had me go see it. Like I think it was right before COVID or right after COVID and it was like mind blowing of like, cause so mm. many people are, that was before like um, virtual reality really became real bad. Yeah. I think COVID really made it go out of the world with, into all these fields, you know, it's big into yeah. the, the medical field now and now coming into our field, but, that's good for older generations too, because um, just to be able to see it with, I mean, rendering sometimes don't do it for anybody. Mm-hmm. It really just depends. They um, can't
1: but- smell it and they can't touch it. Like I know um, Peter Tui, my friend. He, um, if somebody's in the in the room doing the the, you know, so they're in his office basically, because you need a fair bit of computer power to drive the VR. Yeah. And so he, they're in his in his, in his his studio and um, he keeps things like uh, he has all the, the sort of pallets there. So they're bench tops and they're whatever, all these pieces. And when he says, you know, he can see where they are, where they're looking because he can see it on the screen yeah. and he'll go, Oh, um, just lean on the bench top and he'll put the bench top under their hands so they can feel oh, just feel this bench top, you know, or feel this. And again, that just, anchors it into their senses. Yeah. It's kind of cool, right? Eh? And he'll really scent cool. the room. He'll scent the room as well. So he'll um he'll give it a home smell, you know, like I don't know, yeah, you know, cedar or whatever. Cedar wood, yeah. maybe I don't know what he does with that. But just um you know immersing them more in it. He's telling me this wonderful story about he was doing this and he had this uh little girl who was I can't remember how old, maybe about 11 or something. And they put the VR goggles on her and he took her into her bedroom and they were walking around her bedroom. And um, she's going to her parents. Oh, wow. Look at this. Oh, look at this. This is amazing. And They can see it on the screen, what she's looking at. And she stepped back to sit on the bed, but the bed wasn't there. So they, he caught her. he got a chair under her in time because he kind of anticipated that she was about to do it. But she, lent, she stepped back, put her hand back to sit on the bed because she had lost reality. She was in the other world. Yeah. But then you think, wow, that's a
0: powerful tool. Yeah. It, if it gets to the point where it feels that real that you want to sit down. Yeah. Do you see, I mean, I see a lot of older generation designers that are still doing the hand drawing, the hand drafting, the free sketching—that's me. Library. That's me. You still do that? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Do you? Are but are you scared of the technology though when it comes? No, not at all. I just go. Who do I need to employ? A hundred percent.
1: It's looking like I'm getting a new team member. <laughs> Who's it going to be?
0: <laughs> See, that's the way to think about it, though, because. As the times change, you have to change with them. Yeah. And I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't adapt to the the technology changes, because that could help you in the long run when install comes and they're like, "I, I didn't know it was going to look like this." Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, um, and that that is my approach. I go, "Who do I need?" Um, I don't want to spend my time uh, creating that stuff on a computer. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't do. enjoy that. I go, um, I'll hand sketch. I really love to hand sketch. Uh, I'll even draft on an old drafting board or with a set square. Um, and that, that is me natively thinking. Yeah. And then, um, and you know, like if we're doing interiors, um, I will surround myself with all sorts of inspirational pieces to touch, hold, look at, you know, um, something I learned from Kelly Wurstler was this kind of thing of uh, adding, you know, things like crystals and stuff for color. And then, and then, you know, imagining how that, how I could make those work in a space or how that could blend with what's outside, you know, how would I drag the outside in and you know, all this kind of thing and use these different textures or tones that uh, are in nature to do it. And with that, I kind of surround myself with those kinds of bits and pieces and then some pictures and, you know, I'll I'll do a little pin wall or something. And that becomes a a sort of like a little journey, but I still hand sketch it. But when I'm talking to the team, I'm very much able to go, Hey, I'm looking for something like this. Come and come into my experience with me, you know, come in here and I'm looking for something that feels like this or I need something that's more like this, as well as showing them pictures of, you know, other work and other people's work and inspiration from that. Um, You know, I'm trying to achieve something like this. And the thing that I think that is so important when we're, uh, you know, working with renders or any of those things is uh, the long forgotten lighting. You know, most people don't probably focus anywhere near as much on lighting as they should. Yeah, you know, and and how it shifts the mood when the when the houses when it's dark outside, you know, yeah. how lighting, lighting, you've got two completely different homes, one during the daytime and one during the nighttime, you know. Yeah, and playing with that is the, you know, like light, lighting and the when now that people have to or not have to, but people are doing so many renders, the lighting's the only thing that saves the render, you know. Mm-hmm. It's where the shadows fall. Yeah, and so. I think in that respect, it really enhances the ability for clients and for designers to see lighting, to see what what can be done and why it matters. Whether they can execute it or not is another story.
0: But, yeah. That is definitely one thing I think designers forget about, like you said, lighting, because a lot of people are doing that gray stuff over here. Um, And then once they get it into their home. It looks purple or it looks blue. Um, And you're spending all this money on it, but you're totally forgetting like the lighting in the showroom or a store is going to be totally different from your livable space.
1: Uh-huh. A hundred percent. Do you know, I I was just
0: in the States and I
1: was shopping and I was like, oh, Um, I hadn't seen the new Abercrombie and Fitch, um, like layout. I hadn't seen okay. the new sort of concept that they'd done. So I'm in the, I'm in a mall and I'm in LA and um, was in Century City. And I went, Oh wow, check this out. You know, I mean, it's been a brand I've known for a long, long time. I used to be in the fashion industry. And so I'm like, I went in and went, Oh,
2: cool. Okay.
1: And I went to two of them in the end And they've kind of got this separate kind of piece of the store at the front and then, you know, two sort of sides to it inside and stuff. And the lighting has always been uh, been shocking in these stores. I think for oh, yeah. um, for actually see it's great for mood, but not great for actually seeing the color of something. Oh yeah. And a friend of mine that I was with bought a, a t shirt and or bought several t shirts. Walked outside and one of the t shirts that he thought was grey was lavender.
2: <laughs> yeah, it so that, whole thing.
1: yeah and you think of um you think of a, a sofa or a wallpaper mm-hmm. um any of those decor items how much they can shift under different lighting
0: yeah especially yeah. with a textured uh wallpaper uh-huh. on the the this actually another thing just came to my mind like when people put can lights in their kitchen they have it so close to crown molding the crown would yep. casts these weird shadows onto the wall cabinets. And that's another thing I can think of. It, it doesn't have to do with color, but it has to do with the shadowing of the architectural elements that you can't like really change that much. Um, but you kind of screwed up the whole placement of the lighting.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, like, and that's the thing, you know, when you're, when you're designing the architectural side of things, you want to be considering Um, what walls are going to do what, what they're going to be clad in. And if you work with an interior designer, which I do sometimes, I'll I'll work with an interior designer um, and I'll be going, yeah, I'm thinking of this wall being in this. And they might look at me like, Hey, that's my job. And I go, well, if you tell me where you're going with it, and then how do I put those two things together? How do I get that together? So that when I do do the lighting plan or when I do do set out something that all will often do that together, you know, like I actually think that often there's too much disconnect between the house design and the building design and the interior design. And you really want those things held so tightly together Um, as a team, as opposed to as two individuals that are trying to, create a vision for a third set of individuals that are going to live in it. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot of cross learning that needs to happen in there. And and like, I've got amazing friends who are interior designers and I go, Oh God, just, you know, like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even attempt to compete with their knowledge.
0: Oh yeah. yeah
1: they're just another level.
0: Yeah. I actually just had an episode. I, um, uh, of a, a husband and wife that they're on HGTV and we were talking about um, the difference between or the relationship between a designer and a contractor or a builder and why that's so important and I mean like I've fallen into so many people that have bad relationships with builders or oh. vice versa just because one of them thinks they know more than the other but it's like you said kind of if they have more knowledge in that area, just let them do their job and just work with them so that it can go smoothly.
1: You know, like this is my example of that. I um, I don't work with any builders who say that they design homes. I won't work with them. If they say they design homes, hmm, I go for a couple of reasons. One is, is that they're taking a conglomeration normally of ideas they've stolen from a hundred places they've built. Maybe, maybe not a hundred, maybe only 10, maybe whatever. Um, And they're going their best guess about how those go together and what it will do. And they're not necessarily thinking multi-dimensionally. They're usually thinking kind of floor planning. So Mm -hmm. if they say they design, we don't work with them. Um, If they value design, so if they really value design then we go oh cool okay this is somebody we can work with we can bring something here without any tension to it because the last thing we want is this our relationship might be say a year long with the client um getting to the build stage and often not even that long sometimes six or eight months Mm -hmm. and then the build stage is going to be a year or more and the the builder has the ability to have so much influence with the client because it's a daily thing. You know, we see them every couple of weeks or whatever. They see them daily. They see that they can go on that site daily and then they can go, oh, I'm not sure about this. And the builder goes, oh, well, we could fix that by doing, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And when they fix that, they ruin this. So the the client never knows any better. They just end up with the end product.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there's an example of a, I call magazine home builder. Um, basically, they just, you have like 10 models to choose from. And and there's one in my area that's really, their floor plans are excellent, but yep. their exteriors are like, like. Shocking bad like you could tell there's a disconnect on commun- um, the communication with the architect and the it's interior
1: just a, fa- a facade on whatever floor plan
0: exactly so,
1: i want it to look like this oh cool but we'll use it on floor plan b yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think if you to an interior designer builder builder designer when they work together it truly shows a beauty of the actual home itself mm-hmm. um because you don't want to look at a home, and I call them birth defects like on the back of outside of a home, and it just looks like there's one thing it would be a beautiful home, but this one thing, and it was because they had like a walk-in closet or something yeah. inside um and it, it, that to me it just says there was no communication that day on with the architect and the interior designer on the yeah I,
1: I I totally get where you're coming from I, I I feel the same with it um and that's when, when, you know, you want this, um, this, this beautiful team, because
2: mm-hmm.
1: whatever the job is, somebody's investing a significant amount of money.
2: Yes, and oh, yeah.
1: then they're going to invest their life into their home. They're going to be in the home living and um experiencing. So we've a got an, a, a chunk of change, and then we've got like this experience they're going to get. And if any one of the team along the way to that experience puts a, you know, a chink in the armor, it leaves, it leaves that emotional discord that they live with from then on, you know, like that they live with that and you go, Oh, that's, that's so wrong. That isn't what we set out to do. We set out to just bring joy out of this whole process. Um, And so like, I get really, frustrated when i see something going off the rails we we had an example of this a few years ago designed this house and we have some height limits you know Mm -hmm. we can't go above above certain height limits and um we surveyed the block the block was very steep we surveyed the block and uh we worked out all our height limits and stuff perfectly but we are talking like to within 10 millimeters. Uh, so that's like a quarter, uh, quarter inch is six millimeters. So yeah, less than half an inch. So we'd worked them out to that. And um, there was a piece of roof that uh, had a, a, a corner in it that I originally chopped out this corner out because it was going to be over height, just this corner of the roof. And it was on a balcony. And I get this... Um, and I ended up putting it back in because when I did all my final levels, I squeezed it and squeezed it until I got it just right in. And I think I had, uh, you know, something like ten millimeters or so of, um, so less than half an inch of of free space. I get the the, the builders working on the project, and I get this call from the um, from the client saying, "Hey, we've got this major problem." Um, the designs over height there's all these things I'm like well hold on a second what's going on so and she's really panicking like she's really panicking and I'm like oh this is this isn't good I said hey her name's Michelle Michelle don't worry I'll drive to site now and I'll go and catch up with the builder and um, anyway so I rang the builder and I said so what's going on man and he said oh, that corner, that corner of the building's over height. We're going to have to reduce the whole height of all the walls and we're going to have to do all these things you know, and all the rest. And I said, it, it, isn't, it isn't over height on paper. And he said, no, it's not over height on paper, but it is when we've shot the height from it to the ground, um, or the, with the ground up to where it will project to. So they put some profiles up. And I said, by how much? And it turned out to be like about an inch and a half. And I said, okay, cool. Um, well, it's a pretty easy solution. Oh, no, it's not. Like, man, this is going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars and all the rest. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let me get there. Let's have a look on site. So we get there and we get on site. It shows me what it is. And I said, yeah, it's not a problem, man. We can just notch the roof back to here like this. And I said, technically, you've shifted the earth on the bottom. We All our heights are taken from original, um, survey and with you, you know, moving stuff around as you've excavated the site and everything, um, what's your RL, what's your relative level, you know, so wh- where are you at? And we found out he was slightly under on the RL. So they'd taken slightly more cut, like minimal, minimal, like you're splitting hairs, but taken slightly more cut. And I said, technically, and we rang the certifier, um, because at the end of the project, when it's right on, they will um, re-survey to make sure it's um, correct. Okay. And um, yeah, which we still would have been okay. And the survey, I said, oh no, you better make it uh, work as, you know, like to, to meet the regulation. I mean, it does on paper anyway. So we took a little notch. We took the notch back that I'd taken out. I'd made it originally, then I took it out, squeezed it. We put that notch back in and it was like, it didn't even cost anything. It, oh, it did. It cost uh, a bend in the gutter because I said, I actually want my guttering to, to follow the notch so it looks better than just out uh, and along. Yeah. Yeah. So just really interesting, you know, like, it. it so maybe it cost, I don't know, three or $400 more or something. Um,
2: yeah.
1: In the flashings and the guttering and stuff like that. But I go, why would you panic the client until you've had your team look over this thing, make some sense of it, see whether there's a problem that can be solved. Just don't, like, it's none of the client's business at that point, and you're only going to add stress to them. Exactly. So I'm not saying hide it from them. I'm saying come up with your solutions, find out how you're going to handle this and make it better, Mm -hmm. and then go to the client as a team. Knowing how you've got each other's back, knowing where you're going to get them, and knowing that the solution that you've got for the client isn't going to be detrimental to them in any way.
0: Exactly. It's it's almost like a doctor coming to a patient saying like you have this issue, but not having uh, a medication or something for them to know if they could get better. You don't do that. That's not (laughs) good practice.
1: (laughs) That's a great analogy. eh? You know. I mean, you (laughs) haven't think that you're screwed, man. We don't yes. have anything for this. You know, like. yeah, you're
0: done. You're, <laughs> you're your done. investment is done. Like your life's over.
1: What? <laughs> so, so true.
0: I. You've been in the states a, while, a lot. What do you oh. see the differences between the home design where you are and in here in uh, the United States? Uh, um,
1: in some ways, nothing, and in other ways, vast. Um, in the ways where it's nothing, you know, the things like Instagram and Pinterest and mm. these kind of things have very much homogenized um, modern architecture around the world. You know, somebody works out how to build something in Nova Scotia that looks like the thing in California, that looks like the thing in, you know, Norway, and looks like it in the outback area in Australia or something, you know that we're we're creative people, you know, so we work mm-hmm. out how to take these ideas and homogenize them into um trends, and these trends are global rather than local often so from that point of view, I think that um there's a big washdown in uh regional architecture, you know regional architecture is kind of dying um because of this because- you know like um, because of this ability for everybody to see so much so quickly, um, American architecture, depending on where you are, but there's a lot that's influenced sort of from the uh, English French kind mm-hmm. of style of architecture. But then you go to something like mid century modern, which um, is a, is almost owned by America. You know, like it, it it the the movement of it was so prevalent there, and you know, lives and Palm Springs while I was there couple of weeks ago um and have been many times but then you'll find you know great examples of mid-century all over America. Yeah. You know, I was in El Paso a few years back in Texas and it's got beautiful mid-century. Um, and then it's also sort of got craftsman style as well, uh, which were obviously trends. Um, but I think the rise in wealth of, of you know the upper middle class um even though you don't really have a class system in america like they do in england or something but the rise in wealth there and people use their homes as a place to show off their status Mm -hmm. and their wealth um which that's nothing new that's been done for a long long time um i think that there's that sort of homogenization of it when it comes down to the living of it Um, I think that's where it really changes. So I was just in um, Jackson Hole in Wyoming. Yeah. And uh, I was at um, an architect's home. And, and, uh, you know, he has a fully screened porch out the back. And with that fully screened porch, you know, he said, this thing is bug mad, you know, when it's like, as the season shifts. You know, mm-hmm. there's bears that are that are playing in our pond. It's that kind of like, there's so much going on here. And he said, you know, this is our sanctuary. You know, we get in here in the screen porch and there's lots of parts of America, you know, around Minnesota and stuff where you do a screen porch. Well, we go bug mad here in places and I've never seen anybody have a screen porch or have anybody ask me for a screen porch. I actually have one on my own home. I have my whole um big, like, I have a, a deck that looks out over the sea and also over the countryside, like, wow. um and, yeah, I'm blessed to have it. But I actually have it so it can be fully screened off because we get mosquitoes and midges at just certain times. And so it just means that they don't, A, come in the house, mm-hmm. um and, B, we live easy because of it. Yeah. So, and we can open them and close them. You know, we don't have to have them there all the time. Um, but we also, it's Australia, man, there's flies, you know. So you you throw a bit of meat on the barbecue or something, and we've got flies, you know, flies come. Yeah. So that's different. And then also your window regulations in different parts. You know, we've got quite cyclonic weather. So we have some um, different window regulations than you guys do Um uh, okay. Whether, again, this is a rise, I think, in, in, um, in wealth, Americans tend to, a lot of the time, everything is just air-conditioned. Yeah. In Australia, like here where I live, because it's like you know subtropical and kind of like more like Florida, we'll air-condition. But generally, we'll try and make the house work without air-conditioning. So I say to my clients, Guys, you know, like that 40 grand we're going to spend on aircons going to be wasted. However, I know you think you need it. We'll put it in, this is how we're going to do it. Ultimately, we're going to make the house breathe without it. We're yeah. going to give you airflow and all the rest. Now that doesn't take the stickiness out, and that's when you will use your aircon. But we've had houses that, uh, yeah, they've never used their aircon air except for maybe heating in the winter a little
0: yeah, yeah so. i mean if it's built correctly and you could have that natural ac with the windows open all four. Yeah. i know like there's la there's places in LA in the early like like i want to say 50s 60s when they were designed it's it was designed that way um yeah. but like where i live I, I could have all the windows open and I, you don't really feel anything because the winds go in a different direction
2: yeah so, yeah thinking
1: it's about it's, that, it's horses for courses you know like it's fun That's the environment informing the design, really. And then the design maximizing the environment. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, where we get big, big temperature swings sometimes, you know, if we've got these, you know, 100 plus areas, if that's 100 plus and it's humid versus 100 plus and it's dry, then we're going to treat those differently. Mm hmm you know, for, yeah. for the comfort of the people. And then also the health of the people. You know, some people, um, depending on their own personal health and their own personal tolerance will determine that as well. So like an example would be, I spent a bit of time in Texas and around Austin, Texas, Austin, um, Austin's climate zone matches seven climate zones in, Austra- in Australia. And yeah. it's not just similar to our one here, even though we're coastal, we have a few more nuances. Um, but they would put a, a curtain wall of glass on a home and have a single door out of it, you know. Where we would do a whole wall of glass that opens, so it's all a door, you know. Like we've got a, a project we're doing at the moment it has got a um, a door that is a renovation where the door hinges. And it's static at the top, and it hinges up and out like this and opens uh, a four-meter-wide by, I think it's six-meters-high space. So there's no screening it or anything. That's just open. That's the whole side of a house or the whole back end of a house open. What isn't in that is actually in louver windows, which are, you know, like the glass um, blades that tilt. So we can pour... At that end of the house, there's nothing to stop
0: the air until we close it. Absolutely. Yeah, and when I first asked this question, you said something about how social media has changed Mm. architecture regionally. And I never thought about that because, like, I'll look at homes in my area and I could see, like, a Tuscan, like, Arizona, (laughs) Texas type of style home in Pittsburgh where I live.
1: And you go, what the hell is this
0: doing here, man? Exactly. But then you go down to Florida and they have these traditional built homes that you'd see up here. So it's almost.
2: 100%.
0: Yeah. It's almost coming like it's not, the character's not there anymore and it's lost. Um, Yeah.
1: You know, once the character of a home was built from the materials that were probably within less than a 100 mile radius of it, um, probably, you know, maybe a 50 mile radius of it. And that's one thing that shifted, but then the style of it. So I I just, um, at this conference, I was just at um, Omar Gandhi was there and he works in um, Nova Scotia. And um, he was saying, you know, one of the things he learned when he went there was that a roof needs to be a certain pitch for Nova Scotia, for the amount of snow we get and everything else. And if you want to mess with that, it'll fail there's there's you know there's hundreds of years that say this is what it needs to be and if it's going to get the snow from the east or the west or the south or the north or whatever then this is how you need to handle it and he's like so you you know these things um that is what the what the environment demands to make it work and so that keeps some vernacular from that zone because it doesn't work any other way yeah and 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 so whilst you can modernize it twist it do whatever with it it holds a certain vernacular and that's where i think that you know our social media has as i say we're all creative people so then what we do is is we go i know how to do that tuscan thing here um I, i i can work that out and we're not in tuscany we've got a different environment
0: exactly I see a lot of modern. I, we get a lot of snow in the winter here. Yeah, I and mean, I see yeah, I a lot of that. modern homes with flat roofs, and I'm just thinking, like, they better have some type of drainage system, or. And I've seen some that don't have drainage systems, and they're white homes, and you could just see like the discoloration of just all the, the stuff coming down them. Exactly. And no, you, you no know to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That and that's the shift, you know. Like that's the thing that I go. Um, is it built for the environment and built for, for purpose, fit for purpose um, rather than just how it looks, you know, how are you managing those things? And, you know, often like we'll even get this We're we're designing a farmhouse in a, so the couple, she's Japanese, we're designing it in a mid-century modern, but with a Japanese kind of um, undertone, I would say. And, you know, for them and their family. And I go, the the block of land's a farm. And I go, okay, I haven't been to it yet, but I won't draw anything until I've sat on that block for more than a few days. And they don't even live on the block, they live nearby. Um, But to get some of the nuances of that, and then also to study what else is uh, most of the stuff in the area is old to study what else is in the area and check what you can see the obvious things that didn't work. You know, what doesn't work is study the weather patterns, study the land, study, you know, get a sense of it um, for that reason. So that we don't create, we're going to create something mid century, but we're not going to have a flat roof. There's no chance in the world. Yeah. You know, like we've got rainfall that wouldn't just cope with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So
1: yeah, that that game of understanding the the greater um, aspects of everything is really critical. And then making it enough of the area, even if it's mid-century, looking for our own natural materials of that area and then pulling those into um, into that design will be really critical to it. And because of the Japanese aesthetic, we will be fairly connected with nature due to that. Exactly. You know, we'll, we'll we'll play tighter with nature with that. Whereas if they'd said, oh, we want like a, you know, like a, a, a white box that stands out on the top of the hill and um, da, 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 then we go, okay, but cool. we've got a whole, we're not, we're, we're, we're still playing with nature, but we're not playing with making it blend and fit in, you know, like those, you think of those California homes, probably from the sixties, fifties, sixties, that kind of snuggle into the trees yeah and they they blend that'll be more like the mid century one we do down there versus um putting a you know like a Victorian
0: or something like that in there exactly last question i want to ask is if someone listening to this podcast wants to be a architect or a home designer one day, what is the one piece of advice I know there's probably many and you've already given a lot in this. Podcasts, but what is one piece of advice you wish they would take, or you'd hope um, they could work on to become a better designer? That's an awesome question. Really I mean, good question. I can. Yeah, I I think back to all the things I've done
1: wrong and go, okay, what would what would do better?
0: Um, and you want that to happen though. You want to have some. Oh, sure. The mistakes are what you learn from um i mean like i always tell people like go through when you're meeting with your client you need to ask a lot of questions you're you're interviewing them um it might feel backwards but you need to do that or you're doing them a disservice a hundred percent you're not going to live in the house it's not your home
1: it's their home so it's it's about them this is when it's all about them
0: yeah. Don't <laughs> be do all about you
1: at your place, but it's all about them at their place.
0: Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about your portfolio. Worry yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. That, or, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's completely separate. This is yeah, and I think there's a couple of things. You've got to decide, you know, the connection with the people. Mm-hmm. Um if you don't want to have an intimate connection with people, then and and, and find that in yourself like, you know, really dig into yourself to find that. If you don't want to have that intimate connection with people, then commercial is probably a better space because you work with groups of people in commercial versus individuals.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, if you, so, so just getting some clarity on that as a human being and understanding the patience it requires to work with individuals and the empathy you have to walk in their shoes. Um, this isn't about you making a, a monument to yourself that they live in. There is that you can you can be that person, but you need to know that who you're going to be. You know, like you need to know if you're going to be the, the the architect or the building designer or the interior designer that says, "Uh, uh, uh, this is how we're doing it."
2: Yeah,
1: uh, I know you don't. Uh, that piece of art, it's worth X amount of money. And you'll get used to it, you know. I've got a, I've got a job I'm doing that uh, they had designed by somebody else. And anyway, um, somebody who's way better known than I am. And they've paid for all that. They're not building it. Um, we're designing them something different. And I was told that they, they told them they needed a certain height of stair tread because of their um, one of their family members who lives with them just has trouble with stairs,
0: oh, and okay. they
1: wanted a certain height of stair tread. And with that certain height of stair tread, um, it means that without going up and putting a platform and then going up again, um, they want a continuous staircase. So it means the ceiling height has to be X height to get us there because the regulations tell us where the platforms go. It's not our choice. We've got to work with the regulations. Yeah. And um, I said to them, we're only like, um, you know, 30, 40 millimeters lower for me to be able to give you a continuous um, stair tread. And the gate of it will be one millimeter higher than you're asking for. So one millimeter is like the thickness of your nail on your fingernail. So that was the solution that we could offer them to do it and seriously there's like this kind of much difference between what he will have designed and what we're designing for them in the overall ceiling height and they're not tall people so it, it's um it those kind of things so the arrogance of saying you know we can't do it you will do it this way and that just you know like I go that part, you've either got to choose you're gonna be that person or not be that person. I chose not to be. Um, you choose also, I think, um, a lot of the time, you know, they everybody has an aesthetic that they that they love, and often they get caught in their own signature. And I'd say, watch out for being caught in your own signature. Where, where can you evolve from? You know, artists do this with with music they become famous for a certain album or a certain set of songs and then they don't get the freedom to grow again because that kind of holds them. Yeah, And then they, so that I'd say probably the best thing would be look around and, and talk to maybe, I don't know, a bunch though, a bunch of people who could be mentors to you and, Go and spend some time with them, and you know beg to get the time with them um be useful to them, offer them something of value, do something for them that that would be useful to them to to get their time, and see how they operate and see whether it aligns with your own values we'll We'll just say that you can do the design anyway, that's why you're pursuing it as a career mm-hmm. that you've got those skills um but the people skills is the part that will bring the joy in the job because you're going to deal with them every day. Yes. And you're going to deal with them when they're stressed, you're going to deal with them when they're excited. They're going to be on an emotional roller coaster. And if you can't journey with them on the emotional roller coaster, your life is going to be hell. So if you can sort that part out, then everything starts to flow. You know, Jeffrey Dungan said to me, um I can't remember the exact line he used, but it was something like, uh, yeah, I don't look for great projects. I look for great people because with great people come great projects. And that, that was like a switch in my head that I went, I've been bumming around doing this thing for how long? And I've been looking for great projects. Um, I just look for great people from that day on. I was just like, don't care whether it's a bathroom remodel or whether it's a, you know, multi million dollar home, what are the people like? Because those are the ones I'm gonna be on the journey with. How much fun am I gonna get with them? How much joy is it gonna bring to them? How much joy is it gonna bring to me? Because I have to deal with it,
0: you know? Yeah. Exactly. So that would be my
1: biggest thing. Don't miss that. This this business is all
0: about people. I like that. Yeah. Stay patient um and stick with oh, yeah. them. <laughs> and be
1: that. empathetic. Be super yeah. empathetic. But, Go to your. I'm not a very empathetic human being, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm not. I'm not. But I really work hard to put myself in their shoes and work with them to understand them. Um, but you know, like you said, if you said to me, if, if you came and you said, Adrian, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling well, I'd be like, yeah, sure, man. You get yourself a coffee or whatever you know i'm like what are you i'm not a doctor what are you telling me for i can't help you (laughs) um (laughs) just that kind of thing you know my team will say that and i'll say so are you staying home or are you coming to work you know like not how i can i do anything to help what (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) like so i'm not as high on empathy is a learned habit rather than a, a natural habit for me yeah um i'm kind of more just get on with it guy and uh you know, I write an email and I don't know, Hey, how you doing, man? Da, 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 da. Oh, by the way, I'd like to know, you know, about this. I'm like, Durr. and then I go, Oh, you can't send that. Adrian. drink, go back and make it nice. Put the extra in there. You know, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I know you were doing whatever. This is cool. You know, like, um, have a, have, be social to start. With yeah. <laughs> Not just demanding.
0: Yeah. That's, that's very good advice. I love that. Uh, <laughs> One thing I forgot to ask about your, um, your podcast, Talk Design. Can you give us yeah. a little short little bio on that and where people can sure. find it?
1: Yeah, you'll find
0: it um, on all platforms. Um, it's called Talk Design.
1: And what it, what it was built out of was me wanting to increase the number of people I spoke to who were creatives. Mm -hmm. um outside of my general you know sphere and I went this could be really fun to do and to open my network of people but not when I say open my network of people just open my network of knowledge yeah and um so I've always got too much to say myself so I went it's not going to be hard to talk so it's going to be this thing, like what, what do I do to to engage these people? And I went, I just want to talk to creatives and business people and you know, whether they're coaches or whatever. And so I um I set it up uh back in COVID. And as I was saying before, you know, I got about 12 and the hopper before I released it. Yeah. And in that journey, um, I do um I belong to an organization called Architects Marketing Institute. And in that journey, I was chatting to them and I said, um, the guys who own it, Eric and uh, Richard, and I said to them, I'm doing this podcast, you know, would you come on this podcast, you know, and and be guests? You know, I'm thinking, who else can we get as guests? And um, with that, Richard said to me, you know, we we should be doing a podcast for our business and uh, being the Architects Marketing Institute. And you know, I said, right, yeah, you will come mine, and then, you know, you'll work out how it's done and all the rest. And he said, no, I'm thinking, why wouldn't we just do it with you? Why wouldn't we just become a part of it with you? And so you create the podcast and, um, you know, that's kind of your gig, but we'll support you in that and all the rest. And so that... Um, really drove it at the start I mean I had a lot of interesting people to have on anyway but um it really drove it and then through that I've met like some amazing architects all around the the globe and then spinning off from them as well so who do they know that they love and do they know them well enough to introduce me and then I might interview that person So if nobody listened to my podcast, and we have a reasonably good listenership, but if nobody listened, I would still get to thoroughly enjoy whatever I do with it. I'd get to to talk to people like you.
0: I completely agree. That's exactly why I do it too. And And that's why I kind of, some people ask me like, why do you get people from outside your country? Like, how does that help you at all? I'm like, well, that actually helps me more than the people that are in my country because sometimes we get stuck in our own bubbles. hundred percent. Even if you're just in your town, like your small town, you're stuck in that mm-hmm. bubble and you're only talking to the creative minds in that bubble. If you don't get yourself out, you can't make like break down um, fences yeah. in your own area. So for creative thinking. So, I mean, I think other creative people have to talk to other creative people to,
1: I, I think so. I think it pushes the boundaries of how you think, you know, like um, I was talking with Tom Kundig from Olsen Kundig and you know, Tom's world famous. He's an amazing guy and all the rest. And I said to him, um, we, we got on, on, onto this track about talking about hot rods and going fast on the salt flats and things like that. And how that backs into how he thinks about um, designing homes, hot rodding calls it you know like he, he, he or, or buildings you know take something old and make it new again you know um mr steam you know uh the the steam showers so have a look if, if you look at mr steam they're the America's definitely probably the world's biggest supplier of steam showers yeah and yeah, uh, yeah you know the, yeah, like steam the steam showers, shower. yeah. yeah so mr steam's the big one and tom kundig did uh their building in new york and it was an yeah. old building that he redid for them uh, for their headquarters. And um, Michael Pincus, who was the president of Mr. Steam, he um, I was talking to him and he told me Tom Kundig did this. And I said, can you introduce me to Tom? Because, you know, that, that would be really amazing. He said, yeah, for sure. You know, like no problem at all. And so he actually set that up for me. So that's that kind of networking.
2: Exactly. And
1: um You know, when I'm in Seattle next, I'll go and I'll see um, Olsen Kunduk and I'll catch up with Tom and I'll catch up with their, see their studios and all that kind of thing. And you gain another level of thinking, knowledge, um, discipline, uh, opportunity of a way to look at it. You know, Tom says to me, give me the ugliest building you've got. I want the ugliest thing that we've got, and I will find a way to make it beautiful. And I go give me the ugliest house in my street. And I'll probably try and bulldoze it. not make it beautiful. But if I couldn't, didn't have the choice, damn, I'd make it beautiful. I would have never thought about that previously with, you know, like the way Tom put it to me, you know, um, Jeffrey Dungan with it's about the great people. I mean, as I say around this business for 20 something years. And I'm going, why didn't I know that before that? Just find great people. To yeah. help with the project find
0: the great person i completely agree it's kind of like an uh singer that collaborates with another singer or writes a song with another person it's just another so, creative field and you yeah. do question people don't question that but like if you're joining up with another person in your field like designer wise they think like you're f- being friends with the competition but if you think about it in the singer world and the artist world you don't look at it differently there no no i'm 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 very open with all the competition i don't
1: tell them everything that you know i'm not stupid yeah but i tell them enough to be really open with them and you know i get people ring me oh you've done this this you know would that would you be able to tell me about yeah for sure man i can tell you all these things and you know like this there's there's enough people living in houses that there's enough work for all of us if we don't run out there with a scarcity mentality and if we get focused on what we do and do it really well. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's enough work for us.
0: Yeah. everybody, everybody's always going to have to live in a house. So that's, that's not going to change.
1: <laughs> I, I often do a, a, a talk, like I do some um, sort of seminar talks and I'll say to them, so put your hand up if you live in a house. Now, um, yeah. What, what does it go? Yeah. I've got to think of how I use it but it's like in a car or a whatever, you know, and I keep their hands. Plung. So if you live yeah. in your car, put your hand up. If you live in a tent, put your hand up. And um, I go, so we're all homeowners, huh? We all live in a house here. Okay, cool. <laughs> like this. Cause you know, nobody put their hand up that they've come to my talk That's living in a car. Yeah. Cause you know, like, and it just that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that, um in a way to be smart to about people who live in a car but it defines the crowd that's in the room yeah um exactly. you know like and i'm i'm all for helping anybody who needs help with something as well um you know if, if they do live in a car then how do we improve their situation how that's do we fair. what can we do we we we've got minds that are rampant with design what the hell can we do to help people
2: yeah exactly you know,
1: how can we make life better for them? You know, in in any which way. So that kind of thing, I go. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting journey, and that's why I got on the podcast circuit, and I've just loved doing it ever
0: since. So, yeah. Absolutely, it's they're they're a very good conversation. I was listening to them um, on my way to appointments and stuff. It's very good, easy listening. Where
1: I've, I've done that all week with yours and my ears as well. <laughs>
0: Where can everybody follow you on social media?
1: Uh, I'm on Instagram as Adrian Ramsey and that's R-A-M-S-A-Y. Um, Facebook, uh, I think we're Adrian Ramsey Design House and then also I'll just be Adrian Ramsey. I don't know whether you can follow Adrian Ramsey very easy. I think the team's got me on TikTok. I'm not quite (laughs) sure on that. Um, But generally, Instagram's our main one. We do have Pinterest as well. But Instagram's our big one that we kind of do mostly. Uh, And then Talk Design With is on Instagram. Um, And that's because we couldn't just get Talk Design. So it's Talk Design With. And then if they are looking for the podcast but can't find it in their podcast feed, it's probably there. It's just probably the way it's written. We are www.talkdesign.show. And uh, talkdesign.show is is the URL that we have for that. And everything gets posted to our own website uh, before anything else happens.
0: Very cool. And I'm looking forward to
1: interviewing you coming up.
0: Yes, I can't wait. Yeah, I've, I've been a guest on a couple podcasts so far and I, I love them because it's, it's, it's not fun. that they're stress, these are stressful, but it's I have the same format every single time. So it's kind of cool to be in someone else's world and let them lead the way and kind of.
1: I'm the same. Um, I'm the same. One, one's I'm working and the others I'm playing exactly when i'm when i'm doing a podcast i'm I'm trying to get the best for the audience and myself from it
2: yeah Um, exactly and
1: and then you know like when i'm on a podcast i'm just being me
2: yeah
0: yeah i agree awesome yeah cool man thank you so much adrian for hopping on i know you're starting your day and i'm ending my day
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you enjoy your evening i'm gonna go take my daughter to school
0: Awesome. Well, take care, and I can't wait to get onto your podcast.
1: Yeah, likewise. We'll talk in a week.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Cheers, buddy.
1: Bye. You too. Thanks. Cheers, man.